This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. And welcome to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And you're joining Mark and Claudine tonight. Hello, Mark. We don't have Rachel with us tonight. She's overseas visiting family and by all accounts, having a wonderful time. So, you Enjoying just have... the beach, I think. We've seen photos. We have seen photos. Clear looking... blue water. It making us very, very jealous. But... Though we do, love, we, we do love being here, but it's, it's hard to pass up on the... the um, I think it's Vanuatu. So It is. So it's a bit hard to pass up on Vanuatu. <laughs> but on tonight's show, we are going to have a very special guest join us um, for an interview. We have the Reverend Tiffany Sparks will be joining us a, a little bit later on to talk about her first appearance on the Q&A program on the ABC on Monday night and talk about all things progressively Christian, which is an interesting, um, not so new, but it's a newish, uh, getting a voice, shall we say, in what's becoming a fairly busy and noisy part of life. But first of all, we're going to have a holy day of the week, Claudine. And you'll be very grateful that I didn't sing for you. But anyhow, so the holy day of the week this week is Easter. Again. Didn't we just have that a couple of, a few weeks ago? We did just have that a couple of weeks ago. However, we're talking about Orthodox Easter. What's different, you may ask? Well, other than the date, not a lot. So it is the Orthodox churches or the Eastern churches or Eastern Catholic as they're sometimes known as, it's it's their Easter, which falls at a different time of year. So the big question is, why does it fall at a different time of year? Well, there's two parts to why Easter for the Orthodox world falls at this later time of the year. The first half of the of the answer is to do with calendars. So the Eastern or the Orthodox Christian Church follows what is known as the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar that is followed by the Western world and, and, and in this day and age by most of the world. So there's a 13-day difference between the two calendars, which is half of the reason why Easter for the Orthodox world is a lot later than the Western world. The other half of the of the answer to that question goes back a little bit late, earlier and is a little bit more complicated. So it goes back to the Council of Nicaea, which is also known as the First Ecumenical Council, which was held back in 325 CE or AD. So... One of the decisions made by the Council of Nicaea... Now, the Council of Nicaea was basically all the leaders of the then Christian churches, um, which were, you would probably say, one sort of collective 
um, they all gathered. Um, and it wasn't the first time they gathered. There was a couple of councils before then, possibly even three. There's one in Jerusalem, and I can't think of the others off the top of my head. But anyhow, not to worry. Um, so they made four. They made there's four major outcomes. There's quite a number of outcomes, but there's four major outcomes. The first one is the date of Easter. Uh, the next thing, if you like, is uh, the clarification of the relation between God and Jesus and, and how that plays out in terms of a, a, a sort of a spiritual theological way. Um, the other part, which is possibly not so uh, well known to people who have been to, um, who go to Christian churches and, and listen to the liturgy, is they nailed down the first part of the Nicene Creed and there were. Was that a pun? Nailed down. It wasn't a pun, no, but it could have been a pun if I'd have thought about it, couldn't it? Um, but unfortunately, I didn't think of it. But it is a pun. It is Easter. Mm, let's not go there. Anyhow, and and, and then there was um, twenty-ish uh, canons or church laws that were decided upon at, at, at this Nicene ca- uh, Council. So it was a fairly um, significant thing. That the twenty laws are kind of interesting. Um, so we'll just go through them really quickly and then we'll go back to what Easter's about. So the first one is prohibition of self-castration. The, the second one was an establishment of a minimum term for people studying for baptism. Prohibition of the presence in the house of a cleric of a younger woman who might bring him under suspicion. Important things. Ordination of a bishop in the presence of at least three provincial bishops and confirmation by a metropolitan bishop. They need a lot of bishops to become a bishop. Provision for two provincial synods to be held annually. Uh, Exceptional authority acknowledged for the patriarchs of Alexandria, Antioch and Rome, which becomes important in terms of splitting Western and Orthodox Christianity. Recognition of honorary rights to the Sea of Jerusalem. Provision for the agreement with an early sect of Christianity. Um, There was provision for procedures against members of the church who were forced to renounce the Christianity, but later wanted to come back due to a Roman emperor. Um, then there were some prohibitions about the removal of priests, prohibition of usury among the clergy, the precedence of bishops and presbyters before deacons in receiving the Eucharist. Very important stuff. Declaration of the invalidity of baptism by Pauline heretics, which were following a teachings of an earlier bishop of Antioch. And finally, prohibition of kneeling on Sundays and during the Pentecost. A few. Because I don't kneel on Sundays, and now I have proof to... Back me up on that. Well, it's funny because it is practiced in some parts of the Western Church now. But anyhow, back but to... But not the Eastern. I not think. the Eastern. They don't so there you go. Um, so, so back to the Eastern Orthodox Easter, uh, the Orthodox Easter. So one of the decisions of the Council of Nicaea was that Easter must fall, uh, fall after Pesach, Jewish Passover, which reflects the biblical stories of the Passion. So it links back into what we were talking about last week when we were talking about Pesach about Passover and how it all fits into the into the story. So essentially that's the ruling that the Eastern or the Orthodox Christian Church has followed up until date. Um, so that's basically why it's a little bit later. In terms of the celebrations, other than probably a little bit of cultural um, differences being Eastern Catholic or the Orthodox world being basically the eastern half of Europe and down into the middle Mediterranean on into the Middle East. It's just a little bit about customs about that. One thing I did find having a look about, about what the customs were, there seems to be a fairly common one, which is to celebrate a meal at midnight on Easter Saturday or Easter Sunday morning, whichever way you want to do it, um, to celebrate the part of the changing over from 
um, Easter Saturday, which is a day of mourning, to the day of um, that celebrates the resurrection. So it, it seems to be a fairly common um, part of the tradition is to have a feast at midnight, um, various foods depending on where you go, come from. But that seems to be a fairly different, a fairly common but different to what a lot of us may celebrate or a lot of people may celebrate who are part of the Western Catholic world. So for everybody who is celebrating um, Easter, um, the the greeting is, he is risen or words to that effect, similar, or just happy Easter. So if you're celebrating Christos Easter. Christos Anesti, I've got no idea what Claudine said, but it sounds very impressive. It was, it was what you said in Greek, but with a terrible accent. Very good. And you're on the Spirit Lounge, and shortly we'll be talking to the Reverend Tiffany Sparks. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, and our guest tonight, all the way from Brisbane, is the Reverend Tiffany Sparks, who is an Anglican priest in the Diocese of Brisbane. She's the priest in charge of St Paul's Ashgrove, which I believe is an inner city suburb, and a member of a progressive Christian voice. And Tiffany was a panellist on the All-Christian Q&A this Monday. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us on the phone. Hi, thank you for having me. So just um, going back to Monday, was, was this your first time on Q&A? I, it sure was. It really, yes, <laughs> yes, it, it was. And on, um, on TV, it, or have you done other engagements before? Look, I can't think of anything else that I've been on TV for. Uh, perhaps a news special, I don't know, in the background, walking past the camera. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was, that was my first, that was my debut. So, well, that's quite a, quite a debut. So um, how, did, well, how did it go from your perspective? Um, because, you know, it's, uh, it's a very I... public kind of way to <laughs> get out there. Yes, yes, yes it is. Um, <clears throat> look, I thought it, I thought it went well. Um, it would be great with a lot of the questions that were asked. It would be fantastic to be able to have a lot more time mm. to unpack all of the different uh, nuances that the questions were sort of, you know, trying to convey and and to address all the issues. So a lot of the time, I think in one question, there are about six different things that you wanted to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, and we're five of us on the panel and 55 minutes. Um, it, there really wasn't enough time to be able to, I think, uh, address a lot of the things with, with, you know, the full respect that they deserve. But I thought otherwise. Uh, there were some great questions and great answers, and um, I, I really hope that it sort of gives us the opportunity to have bigger and better conversations in the future. Well, I think in, in a way that, um, yeah, as you say, every question was a conversation starter, but it's... Um, it's not some Q and A is, is is kind of structured for not so much sound bites, but closer to it. Whereas a lot of these questions are things that are worthy of a book or a master's thesis. So TV is not the best, necessarily the best medium for that. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you know we had John Haldane on there, who's a philosopher, and um, a lot of us on there had studied philosophy as well. And if you ask a philosopher a question. You're never going to get a quick answer. Yeah. So, um, do you uh, just so f- just for the listeners who might not have been seeing that um, the panel was yourself, um, Julie McCrossan, who is um, a member of the Uniting Church and an openly gay broadcaster, uh, Ray Minikin, who's an Indigenous pastor, uh, John Haldane, as you say, who's a, a academic philosopher, and. Uh, our old friend Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, 
um, and you were um, you were sitting next to him. So um, was that? I sure was. How was, was that uh, <laughs> uh, awkward or comfortable or somewhere in between? Well, it was. It was actually. It was a very interesting experience because um, I would differ with with uh, Lyle and a lot of the ACL policies. Um, so you've you've sort of got to try to put aside that on a personal level and and you know still be still be nice and and civil and um, but also be able to bring out those differences uh, in a way that's sort of yeah not going to cause. Uh, a major argument to break out, but I think there are a few things that really just had to be said. Yep. And yeah. And what what do you think um, were the main points that were um, especially valuable uh, with Lyle? Yeah, in response to Lyle. Uh, so I think that the the two things that sort of struck me that I thought needed to come out were the conversations about uh, same sex marriage, um, but also the conversations about. Uh, male headship and the link to domestic violence. Yep. So, um, you know, there are a lot of there's a lot of biblical references that you can sort of make in support uh, for his, of his position in in both of those cases. And uh, yeah, I, I think those were. I, I think especially with because uh, we all know his position on same sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very vocal about that. Um, but I would have really have liked him to have at least said that he believes in male headship because, oh, I, I suspect he does. Yeah, I was just saying, so we don't actually know for sure that he does, but it would be consistent with um, yeah. what we know yeah, about. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted him to say it. So you might have, during that time, I was sort of, I was really looking at him going, come on, just, just say it. I just want to hear, um, you know, what you think in regards to that. Uh, and it never sort of really came out, which is a bit of a shame um, because I think it's a conversation that's really important to have. Yeah, and it's something that um, I don't think is really understood um, outside of the out of, out of the church. That that um, and even among certain types of Christians, myself, I suppose, that the um, just realizing that the idea of male headship is still quite um, persistent among some Christian groups. It really is. Um, there are a lot of denominations who still do um, really propagate the theology of male headship. Um, it's very interesting. There are a lot of uh, conservative denominations that sort of come across uh, South Queensland, Southeast Queensland, um, that still do have very, very ultra-conservative views in regards to uh, the role of men and the role of women. And so just going back to the the composition of the panel, do you think it was an accurate representation of of Christians in Australia? I mean, I think the fact that um, Lyle Shelton's been on Q&A twice this year already, but um, at least (laughs) he was only one out of five Christian voices on this panel. Do you think that that reflects the... um, what Christianity looks like in in Australia today? I, I think it's better than previous uh, panels that we've seen uh, and lineups that we've seen previously. I think um, uh, we've had a lot of um, George Pell's, you know, on there mm-hmm. and uh, Catholic uh, archbishops, um, and you know, Catholicism certainly is uh, very strong still. Um, 
This, I think, gave a, a more broad view of what probably even the everyday Christian thinks, mm-hmm. um, especially in regards to, uh, I want to say progressivism, but I don't think that's a word. Um, I think <laughs> Uh, but a lot of a lot of people who sit in the pews uh, see how Christianity is portrayed in the media, and especially by um, the ACL, and and they say, "Oh, you know, that that's not me. Um, I I have a different view. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I'm different." And uh, to be able to have people up there like uh, myself and Ray and John and and Julie, uh, I think a lot of people were watching and went, "Yes." Good, thank goodness I can I can be a Christian because um, having these different views is okay. Yeah. That was the Beatles with the revolution, which is rather appropriate for tonight. We've got on the line all the way from Brisbane, the Reverend Tiffany Sparks, who appeared on Q&A for the first time on Monday night, which was an interesting program to, to watch. If you want to join in the conversation, please... Uh, Email us at onair at joy.org.au or SMS us to 0427JOY949. You can tell that I'm blind and I can't quite read from or you. Or just use your app. Or just use the app, which is the easiest way to do it. But Tiffany, I was just, in the break, we were sort of talking about, you know, how hard is it to get the progressive voice out there in the community? Like, how hard was it to get yourself onto Q&A on Monday night? Um... Look, it, it is really hard to sort of get a progressive Christian voice out there. Um, I think because a lot of the time um, people like to be sensationalised uh, and they like to be entertained, and I, I'm not really sure how entertaining or sensational we are. Um, when people hear our message, uh, especially along the lines of, you know, supporting women's donation, women's equality, stance on same-sex marriage, blessing same-sex couples, you know, those are the sort of things that, that we're talking about. Um, you know, while it's not sensational, at least they breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> um, it, it is quite hard to be able to get out there because, I, I, yeah, I think there's an image of Christianity that's, that's hard to sort of break down. Do you, um, do you get reactions? Sort of hard Sorry. to get a, a foot in. Do you get reactions of surprise, like you, that you're a female priest or that? Yes. Uh, yeah. It's... Yes, yes, I do. And and usually it's it's after people get to know me. I, I did mention that on Q&A, that when I go to a party, um, we're all having fun and, and just, like, joking and laughing, and, and then suddenly, you know, you're asked what you do for a living. And uh, I, I am compelled to say priest because uh, it's the truth. And suddenly you, you get a lot of mixed reactions. Um, mostly people saying, but you can't say what you just said because you're a priest or we can't make these jokes around you anymore. Yeah. Or, um, you're too it, cool it to be a priest. It completely changes. And, and I think when the, the secular world, I'm going to use these terms broadly, generous listening, um, hears that you're a priest, uh, even a woman priest, uh, they assume that you are a creationist and they assume that uh, you um, yeah, believe that the world is 6,000 years old and dinosaurs and humans riding on their back. And, um, they assume that, that Christians look like the Australian Christian lobby. Yes, yeah. yes, they really do. Uh, and, I mean, I've even had people say, look, you know, I'd like to be a Christian, but I don't hate gay people. And you're okay. 
You know what? You 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 can be a Christian <laughs> and not hate gay people. That's that's we we prefer that one actually. So let's these, do that one instead. So are these people who've never um, grown up with religion, or they've they've never been exposed to? church themselves so what they see is filtered through certain certain kinds of media i think it's it's both uh i mean the person i just referred to is almost a direct quote from uh, a member of my extended family so you'd think that after knowing me and growing up with me and and my, both my parents are priests uh, that they would think something different um, but I think people just hear what the media says and they hear what their friends say, and um, we're still trotting out some good old 1950s, 1960s theology, um, and that's what the movies are made on as mm. well. And and so that's just what people think. They don't look any further, which is a real shame because uh, so many of these people actually do have this, this yearning to, you know, have a relationship with, with the divine. Um but they actually feel that there are all these things that are stopping them. It's interesting. I was watching Q&A on Monday night and you were there dressed in the traditional clerical garb, which yes. I should know the real name of, but I don't. It's just a clerical shirt and it's collar. It's a clerical yeah, shirt. That's fine. I yeah, thought it would have had a special shirt. name. There you go. Anyhow, um, and with really out their hair, like – you know, in the media, presentation is everything. Like, is it your normal sort of dress or, you know, what was yeah. going through your mind oh, when oh. you were like, here I am, pretty out there? <laughs> uh, the hair is my normal hair. Um, I thought that. I've had variations of this hair for almost a decade now. Um, and I, I love this hair. <laughs> and in regards to the, the clergy shirt... I, I will regularly wear a clergy shirt, but I'll also regularly wear civvy clothes. Is that reflective of what you're doing? So is the, the clerical shirt I'm working now, whereas civvy clothes is I'm letting my hair down? Uh, it, it does and it doesn't. So if I'm doing a wedding, I'll be more likely to wear uh, clerical gear. If I'm doing a funeral, I'll wear clerical gear. If it's uh, a public appearance, so... Um, you know, large commemorative ceremonies, I'll wear clerical gear. But if it's if it's um, Bible study or if I'm meeting with a parishioner for coffee or uh, anything like that, I'll just wear normal clothes. Okay. And have you ever had any negative reactions to that on the street from strangers? No, actually. Um, I've had, um, I think because when people look at me, they're forced to think of... of um, they're forced their box open, you know, as to what a priest looks like and what a priest, um, you know, should talk about. So I, I've been really lucky. Oh, oh no! Now that I think about it, there was once, um, and and I think it was uh, Laverne and Shirley, you know, comment about uh, me as a you know Laverne priest or something like that. I don't know. Was Laverne anyway. the one with the with the out there hair? Is it about the hair or? <laughs> I think it was supposed to be about my intelligence, um, even though oh. we never had a conversation. I think it was um, really focused on, on, I think I was wearing some really awesome shoes and the hair, <laughs> you know, so that's how we got to that spot. Other, other than that, um, I, I've had a lot of surprise looks um, where people are just sort of walking along and then they see when they go, oh, okay, you know, that, that looks a little different. Yeah, so even though um, even though women have been being ordained for about 
20 years. It's yeah, we, we this year we're celebrating in Brisbane Diocese uh, 24 years of women's ordination. But it's, um, but it's still a surprise to some. It, it is, it is. And I think because a lot of um, like religious media content comes out of Sydney and Sydney Diocese still doesn't ordain women. So I, I think that's actually part of our problem. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Previously on The Real Pancakes of Melbourne, Stefan was getting a little hot under the collar. Don't you challenge me. I was born for this delicious little number. That short stack, Stefan, please, she wouldn't know a thing about good taste. Things were getting saucy between Charles and Sandy. There were lashes and lashes of whipped cream, fresh strawberries. I was Alice in Wonderland. Be seen at Joy Sponsor the Pancake Parlor, High Point, Doncaster, and Malvern East. They never close. Lovely. Great value car and home insurance. Call 133-QBE or visit qbe.com.au today. Normal underwriting conditions apply. Consider the PDS to decide if a product is right for you. Joy Sponsor. Whether you're packing up your home or relocating your office, Alexander Removals and Storage make light work of any job around Melbourne or interstate. The personalised service you get from Alexander's is second to none and all work is carried out with total care and attention. So before you move anywhere, call Joy Sponsor Alexander's Removals and Storage on 95791864 or see their ad under Furniture Removals and Storage in the yellow pages. Alexander's Removals and Storage around Melbourne or interstate. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And our guest calling in tonight from Brisbane is the Reverend Tiffany Sparks, who was one of the panellists on Monday's Q&A, on the all-Christian Q&A. And as we said earlier, that that night covered plenty of topics, theological and social, that many, many things that uh, Christians and churches have um, have opinions about, um, and I, we were wondering, Tiffany, what um, what would have? What's the number one thing that you wish there had been more time to discuss that that we didn't get to hear about? Oh, the number one thing. Um, I, well, I think it, it was, it, I would say that I'd go to, <laughs> uh, and that would be uh, further discussion on um, uh, marriage equality. Uh, but also the discussion about uh, women's equality and uh, domestic violence. Well, you managed to um, mention the, uh, women's equality just at the end, and and yeah, as we were saying before, that a lot of people are still um, surprised about that. And um, on marriage equality, I thought that oh, it was a shame that having um, Julie McCrossan, who's been um, you know, quite a spokesperson for our community for a long time, and she was there as a Christian, and yet we didn't really get um, get to hear much about that. Um, yeah. So, as a, I guess, as a priest on the ground, as it were, do you get a sense that, um, well, at least for for your community, for your parish, and pe- people that you come across, is is marriage equality still something that needs to be fought, or, or are people? Um, uh, most, I guess, progressive, regular Christians already um, already on 
on the yes side or how how representative is the the ACL look i think that uh for for my church uh obviously i can't speak for all, all my parishioners um you know a few are still sort of confused as to why it's an issue mm-hmm. um and a few haven't really thought past uh what they'd sort of you know thought 20 years ago um I mean, I'm really lucky that that uh, my parish is full of so many amazing people who are just talented in in so many ways, and a lot of them, it's um, yeah. Can we just do this already? Why are mm-hmm. we still talking about this when we could be uh, making bigger movements in regards to asylum seekers or mm-hmm. overseas aid or um, social welfare reforms? I think there's a real disappointment that nowadays when Christianity is discussed, um, same-sex marriage just seems to be the stumbling block. What, what, do you think there's, um, what do you think that Christians can do about that to move that discussion forward if that's, if that's possible? Uh, look, I think that Christians, if they would even write to their priests, um, because ministers actually get... Uh, it would be for a lot of ministers a great sort of sigh of relief to be able to have permission to start talking about this. Um, I, I'd say stay committed, um, stay involved, make sure that you're openly discussing your beliefs with people. The Anglican Church, for example, um, you know, we, we believed it, we believe in dispersed, uh, Authority. Um, so, from a synodical perspective, uh, we can actually create change uh, by making sure that we have a lot of lay people who are active and have a voice uh, and who have a real desire to see change happen. So, yeah, I'd love just to see more people instead of getting disheartened and not coming to church. No, make sure you're going more often. In fact, it's the, it's the opposite. Change happens by us all showing up and, and saying what we think mm. um, and, and saying it's time to be able to talk about these, these big issues without fear from each other and without fear of judgment or without fear of punishment. So in terms of the Anglican communion, like if let's say, let's, say, let's go and say uh, same-sex marriages or marriage equality is enacted in the parliament tomorrow, What's the Anglican Church is, is, Church's position? Is it is it going to be well? Ministers who choose can start celebrating marriages of same sex couples, or I just know from the synagogue I go to, if they did it tomorrow, my rabbi would happily marry me tomorrow. Um, but I'm just wondering what the Anglican perspective is. Well, I can't speak on behalf of the Anglican Church. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I really can't. Uh, I can I can speak personally. But in regards to, see, it's a really, that is a good question because it's a question of process. Uh, so we are only legally able to marry according to the right of the Anglican Church. Um, if, if your priest also had a celebrant licence, that, that would be a little bit different. Uh, it, would, it would have to go to a diocesan synod and it would probably also have to then go to um, general synod, which is Australia-wide. Uh, we are a part of the Anglican Communion, which is worldwide. So um, there has to be conversation going on there. At the moment, we have sort of an unfortunate thing that happened a couple of months ago in regards to 
the Episcopalian Church. So for people who who don't know, uh, the Episcopalian Church is a part of the Anglican Communion. Yeah, that's in the um, United they, States. Yep, yep. Uh, they had to change their name to Episcopalian, essentially, after the War of Independence, because Anglican means English. Uh, so you can sort of understand why they had to change a bit of a brand there. And, yeah, so they, they have a very... Uh, active stance in regards to uh, same-sex marriage, marriage equality, blessing of same-sex couples. And it is still a, to quote a political term, a very robust discussion uh, communion-wide globally because we have so many different um, uh, countries that are involved in the Anglican communion uh, and a lot of those countries are very conservative. So... Uh, we're very lucky in Australia to be where we are. Um, however, there are still whole provinces in the Anglican Communion that still weren't ordained women, uh, let alone enter into a discussion about uh, marriage equality. So, yeah, in a sense, it's um, it's it's not as hierarchical as, say, the Catholic Church, but it's also not as uh, independent as, say, some of the... Um, more Protestant churches where there's a lot yeah. more independence. So there's, um, yeah, in a, there's way that... a relationship that needs to be sort of maintained. And I think that's the fear uh, and the concern is that um, people don't want to break that relationship. And those of our listeners who uh, have been paying attention to international news would know that um, knowing that there are countries like, um, say, Bangladesh and Uganda, which have adopted the laws of the um, British Empire and and kept those anti, um, anti-homosexuality laws on the books even while yeah. the Western world has moved on. And in a way, the Anglican Communion has really... It, it's almost like the religious mirror of the British Empire and it's facing many of those, um, many of those issues. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, to answer the question more directly, uh, there are many of us, um, uh, especially those uh, ministers that you would see represented in um, Progressive Christian Voice, which is ecumenical, um, who would love to be able to um, marry people of same sex. We would. We, there are a lot of wonderful people, and that's what sort of I wanted to really say uh, Q and A on Monday night is that there are so many amazing people who are already in our churches who are um, LGBTI and just beautiful, committed Christians, uh, and it's frustrating that we can't marry them. It's, it, it's in fact, heartbreaking it, it, to me um, because I want to be able to see everyone be able to celebrate their relationship um, but also have uh, the acknowledgement that uh, the love that's shared there is a divine love. Yep. Um, and I find that really sad that we can't acknowledge that. Well, yeah, some people can't. <laughs> not in Australia, at least. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, and that was Solid Rock, the old Goanna song by, performed by the Black Iron Band with Shane Howard. And we've been speaking to Tiffany Sparks, who was a panellist on Q&A and an Anglican priest and represent of a progressive Christian voice in Australia. Um, so, Tiffany, uh, it seems that Australia's treatment of asylum seekers is one of the social issues that does unite many Christians, and it's been in the news again this week. 
And in fact, on Monday, Q&A screened just after a Four Corners report on healthcare in the detention system. So it seemed uh, especially topical that day. Were you surprised that this didn't come up during the panel? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was surprised. There are a few things that I thought would come up that, that didn't. Um, I mean, that being said, there were some great questions there. I'm not complaining. Um, but I, I did expect uh, asylum seekers to come up as a part of the discussion. Uh, I also expected the Safe Schools Program, uh, school chaplaincy, the Royal Commission. I mean, that's pretty big. There's a lot, um, a lot to cover And there. also, sorry? There's a lot to cover there. Yeah, yes, there is a lot to cover there. Um, and also, um, I understand it's been quite topical to talk about uh, churches and, and tax reform. Mm-hmm. So, no, there was, there was a wide range of issues that I, I, I think would be really interesting to have longer conversations about. It um, didn't come up, unfortunately. That's okay. I was looking up uh, the uh, Progressive Christian Voice and saw that um, Peter Catt is the um, chair or president of the group. And yes. listeners would know that uh, Dean Peter Catt from Brisbane Cathedral has played a large role in the um, in the sanctuary movement in Australia. Yes, yes. And um, absolutely fantastic. So is there a lot of... Churches in Brisbane that that are supporting that. I, I think there are uh, a number there that, that are supporting it, and one of the things about the sanctuary movement is once again it's, it's ecumenical. Um, I, I recall that I th- it was it was in um, I think Ash Wednesday that there were over a thousand people. Ash Wednesday, or the Tuesday. Um, that there are over a thousand people on the the steps of um, St John's Cathedral, who you know from far and wide, and and a lot of them not even not churchgoers, uh, but the message of the sanctuary movement uh, was something to sort of hold on to. I think it, it it there's an ancientness, well there is an ancientness about this sanctuary movement that you know God provides that safe place and. You know what are what are we doing if we're not providing the the world's most marginalised people uh, with that safe place? So it was it was absolutely beautiful to see some of the the photos uh, and the footage of of so many people with with candles uh, that just came together in prayer, but also uh, to to stand up and say, actually, no, uh, we we want to provide these people with with sanctuary with with somewhere safe. Uh, to be looked after and and you know fed and and respected. It sounds a little bit like it's the church claiming part of its heritage and tradition about providing sanctuary. And it's certainly something there. The Anglican Church seems to be getting a little bit of some good publicity, which is, is sort of great because you know in, here in Melbourne, if you look at St Paul's Cathedral, which has got a great spot in terms of pro- uh, prominence, it's got a great big banner on it about refugee rights. If you're on social media, most of us will get some of the um, signs that are going up at the Gosford Anglican Church. So it seems to be a, an area where the Anglican Church is perhaps claiming its place in society in terms of being that progressive voice and, and pushing the issue forward. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing I like about it is that it's uh, theology in action, mm-hmm. um, that we're actually showing what it is that we're talking about here. And, you know, that's one of the biggest criticisms of, um, you know, most ideolo- ideologies and religions is that uh, people, people go, oh, you know, you're all talk. Um, and sometimes, you know, all of us are. 
all talk. Um, but this is a moment where uh, we're actually being able to show our theology through what we're doing. And um, I'm, I don't know, I just loved it. I just thought it was one of the most beautiful things I've, I've ever seen. And I know for a lot of the people that were there, uh, they were moved. So hopefully there will actually be a, a domino effect from this where others uh, who have been moved uh, in turn, you know, in their own workplace or in their own lives, uh, work out a way that they can stand up for uh, people that they see who are being persecuted. Well, who knows? I mean, looking at very recent news from Papua New Guinea, I mean, we might actually see that um, this might become a real, realistic option in the near future. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I think that would be pretty amazing. I'd, I'd like to see it. And I know that the Dean is certainly, um, you know, eager to be able to make this a realistic possibility. Uh, I mean, he's willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. I really, I know that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the, the other thing that we've seen in um, uh, theology in action is uh, the Love Makes a Way movement, which is also ecumenical, uh, where people, and especially ministers from so many different denominations, are uh, doing sit-ins, at uh, politicians' offices, just to just to be able to be a silent but immovable presence, I was um, actually, calling for change about children in detention. I was actually going to just um, bring up that the there was news from a group in Perth who was um, who occupied uh, Michael uh, Minister for Justice Michael Keenan's office last year, and their trial was yesterday, and they were let off with. Um, with a one of the um, Chris Bedding, who you probably know, uh, said he was big shout out to yeah, Chris Bedding, Father Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Check out Father Chris on Facebook. He yeah, has to pay. Amazing. He has to pay about four hundred and fifty dollars and um, a spent conviction. And he said basically the mildest possible response. And the magistr- magistrate said to him, "I am satisfied that this not this does not represent a flagrant disregard for the law." But it's rather rather motivated by kindness. Yeah. So the message is really getting out there, and there's people in all sorts of institutions across religious and civil society who who are um, all behind. I think pretty um, pretty much in accord on on this issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it's one of the the yeah beautiful ways to be able to live your theology um, and. You know, one of the, and, and you know, it's, it's biblical, you know, one of the tests for living your theology is actually in the face of, of, um, of persecution, um, of, uh, you know, standing up against unjust laws. Um, and, and we certainly saw that with the dedication of, of Love Finds Way in, in Perth, but also so many other areas. And, yeah, I, I when I saw um, Father Chris Bedding's, uh, result, I thought, no, that's good. That was a good result. It was worth it. That was totally yeah, worth it's, it. It's really sending message, I think. Have you been involved in any um, any sit-ins yourself? No, no, I haven't. I've got a number of colleagues who, who have, and they're just absolutely fantastic people. Um, I, I've had, on other issues, a number of <laughs> political encounters, uh, but no, I haven't done those sit-ins myself. 
Can I ask what those other issues are, or what what are you prepared oh, to? I think to run out of time. All right. <laughs> um, a taste I, of them. I, I may have. Uh, well, I I'm in Ashgrove, so I may have met with Campbell Newman about the bikey laws. Oh, is that? It's, it's for, for those of us who who don't know Brisbane well. Um, is that Camp, is that where Campbell Newman? Um, that, that was his, where Campbell yeah. Newman. That was Campbell Newman's electorate. Right. So, um, yes, yeah, so that was that was a couple of years ago. Now, now we've got Kate Jones, um, who's absolutely lovely. Not to say that Campbell Newman's not a nice guy, uh, but but oh, you can say, yeah, you can I, say I, what I, you like. <laughs> I, I can, um, but I'm sure he's a lovely person. So, yes, uh, I, I think. One of the things I like about uh, progressive Christianity um, is is the ethos sort of behind it, that you can have a really good look at what's happening in the world around you. And, and even stuff uh, like new laws or policies uh, and be able to sort of apply that, that ethos to it. Um, so what what are the I'm, I'm trying to think yeah. I'm trying to work out how I I'm trying to say this that that it it really encourages you to be discerning um and to be free thinking and to also be not only self-reflective but um critical of of the structures that are around us in order to make change um not change for change's sake but to be able to recognise when um, injustices are occurring or people are, are being oppressed or we're just, you know, not paying attention to certain areas. Um, and it sort of encourages people to stand up and, and act out their, their Christianity and act out their theology. And I think that's what um, I was saying before about the sanctuary movement, about love makes a way, it's it shows us that theology in action. And I would, I would love to be able to see more people doing those sort of things. Well, that seems like a, a great place to, um, a great, great point in which to, to wind up for tonight, though. Um, do you think we'll be seeing you on Q&A again? <laughs> the- <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't think it's out of the question. Um, I, I would just like to, before I go, um, just recommend that if anyone's interested in what I've said tonight, to, to check out progressivechristians.org.au. There are so many fantastic articles that actually uh, address a variety of issues um, about... Uh, hold on. We've got overseas aid. We've got marriage equality. We've got uh, asylum seekers, climate change overseas aid cuts, um, some fantastic articles that are written there by not only uh, priests and um, ministers, but also theologians and philosophers from a variety of different Christian churches. So, so it's we'll... not just a small thing. There are, there are lots of people and there's lots of um, fantastic things that, that I can see there. So we'll put a link to, link to that on our on our blog and our podcast which will come up shortly and the bears are outside the studio hoping to get into the woods so thank you very much tiffany and it's a good night for me <laughs> and it's a good night for mark and thank and, you very much and tiffany. this this thank is you joy, both of you. Thank joy you for, 94. for having me 9. 
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.